Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jay Baker. In a recent survey, we asked a range of company secretaries about trends they've seen in the last 12 months. The results show that the pandemic has helped encourage a range of digital-led enhancements for shareholders and companies. So in this episode, I caught up with Rob Lyons, the Deputy Company Secretary of Marks & Spencer Group PLC. M&S is one of the most celebrated names on the high street, but they also have a very forward-thinking approach to governance. Now, before we play back my conversation with Rob, I'm going to ask the producer of this podcast, Dave, to play a short clip from right at the end of our session. A little peek behind the curtain, if you will. Uh, Rob, that was excellent. I have to say, I, I was hanging on every single one of your words. I thought it was, you absolutely are speaking my language. I loved it. <laughs> Thanks for playing that, Dave. As you can probably tell from that, I was pretty impressed by what Rob had to say. So if you want to hear why, stop what you're doing, crank up the volume and join me as I catch up with one of the industry's most forward-thinking talents. You're not going to want to miss a word. So Rob, thank you for joining us today on this podcast. And I think what our listeners are going to be very keen to hear is, is a little bit about your role and the team's role at Marks & Spencer and, and how you've navigated the last 12 months, especially with your shareholder engagement and delivery of especially the AGM in, in, in what was a no physical meeting environment. If you could give me a, a, a little taster for that, that would be great. Okay, well, thank you for having me. My name is Rob Lyons. I'm the Deputy Co-Sec at m To throw some stats at you, but I think it's important to frame the register at m and there's 148,000 private shareholders. And over the last two and a half years, we've been quite aggressively trying to build up those registered for e-coms. And we've managed to kind of tip the balance. So we're, we're just shy at 50,000 now. So we can we communicate with one third electronically. And that's been really important and it's been kind of built with the aid of kind of proactive comms, but kind of more importantly, the fact that we've done two big digital activities. The first was the first kind of fully digital private shareholder offer. So we created an online PAL. So for those of you that have done um, a corporate action um, for the paper-based rights issue, we kind of we turned that process into a digital one. And as part of the, the participation journey, we made people sign up for e-coms as well. Yeah. And that kind of drove up numbers quite dramatically. And then last year, as you kind of said in your intro, we were we embraced a fully digital meeting. And again, the participation levels for that were, were great. The digital registrations were aided by kind of giving people something to do, I suppose. That's the... That's the most important thing on kind of the, the pivot away from paper to e-commerce is kind of why digital, what do I get? And I think that that's a perfectly reasonable and rational decision for shareholders to make. You've got to make the case compellingly. And we hoped with both of those activities that kind of you can you can take up your rights or you can sell your rights in the in the case of the rights issue in a way that was kind of simple and easy and didn't require kind of checks and multiple days posting and that kind of thing. And then yeah. for the digital AGM, it was just kind of, we were we were contemplating pre-COVID to take the show on the road. So for the last few years, uh, MS's AGM has been held at Wembley Stadium, which mm-hmm. is crazy because it's Wembley Stadium. 
Um, so we were we were thinking that we would we would we would take that kind of to the northwest, uh, and not just because I'm from the northwest, you can tell from my voice, but because kind of when we did some demographic analysis, the second highest concentration of MS shareholders were based in 50 mile square radius of Manchester, wow. and we thought that would be that would be sensible. But then with the onset of COVID, what we decided was kind of how do you actually kind of make it even more democratic and kind of accessible? And I think that that's the, that is the problem with lots of the physical hybrid conversations is that it skews to London and it skews to the southwest or the southeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of what we what we noticed was um, one of the metrics that we were tracking were um, AGM virgins. Um, which we thought was quite a funny um, but important thing to actually track, which is kind of how many people engaged last year digitally that had never been to an AGM before. Yeah. And the answer was one third. So we got one third of people that, that had never been to an AGM before that joined online. That just shows you the kind of the role that accessibility plays. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think kind of, so. That, so that's kind of some kind of framing of the of the context and the register. I think mm-hmm. um, what we've been trying to do over the last twelve months is our strategy that's been in place for two and a half years has just been turbocharged by COVID. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of this year we're kind of we're going to go out again with another fully digital AGM this year. Mm-hmm. But what we've what we've done um, is we've added in a uh, BBC News presenter to act as a shareholder advocate. So all of the questions that are submitted in advance or on the day via kind of either kind of the Lumi platform or kind of emailed in, they'll they'll be kind of grouped together by theme and news presenter is going to kind of grill the chairman and the board in a hopefully way that makes it kind of more engaging and also kind of allows us to make the point of not taking the easy questions. So if it's kind of, if we've got a journalist that's, you know, Mr. Chairman, I don't like that question, has a follow-up. You can, the, the idea is kind of one of the, one of the criticisms of digital meetings is that it allows the board to duck questions. Mm. Uh, and we've kind of, we've tried to build this new addition to try and address those concerns. That's hugely interesting. That shareholder advocacy piece. I, I've not come across it. Is that? I mean, is that an idea created by you and the team at Marks and Spencer, uh, or, or have you seen that utilised elsewhere and, and 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 figured that would be a great thing for us to add to 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 give the the meeting a bit more gravitas, if you like. Uh, well, so it's kind of it, it's created by also it was kind of the MS's team idea. Now, kind of that's. It's much easier because we've got a chairman in Archie Norman who yes. um, is very good at these things, and he's also got a, kind of a background in politics. So kind of the format doesn't frighten him. He liked the idea and he embraced it. And kind of we were making, we were sure that we need to go away and get the, the right advocate for this. Mm. Um, but then we also kind of in parallel for some people that don't like it, what we've decided to do is we've also offered the opportunity for people to submit video questions. 
right? So yeah. kind of you, if you were a shareholder, if you did, if you wanted your your moment in the sun, if you wanted your face on the on the on the broadcast, and so your question is kind of goes out unfiltered, unedited, uncontextualized. Um, you've got the opportunity to submit that directly as well, and we're hoping that that would be a quite nice mix between this kind of this advocate and direct democracy. So kind of like higher journalistic integrity, I suppose, which leads to yeah. hopefully more integrity of the the meeting, but also with this direct element as well. Uh, yeah, I think I, I, that's a, that's a fascinating turn of events for the future AGM, I, and I I applaud that. I, I very I very much like that. I mean, Marks and Spencer t- took took a, a, an aggressive lead, I think, in 2019 by holding that meeting as a hybrid meeting, held as you say at Wembley, um, but beamed to any shareholders' uh, desktops who had registered to receive it. So, um, and then of course, I think your journey was made a little easier. It, it, or the decision to, to hold a, a, a virtual became easier because of uh, the pandemic. And you've, you've talked about going on a roadshow for next year, or, or, or rather looking at the demographics and the roadshow being a, 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 a good way of, of doing that. But do you see that the digital meeting, for, for Marks and Spencer at least, is going to remain? As, as the feature, and therefore there will be no physical presence. So it will be a fully virtual meeting in the future, regardless. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that, that I think that that is the, the key the key change that we were planning to take to go on the road with these, and we were going to move around the country to try and give people democratic access, and also to kind of create a bit more of an event around it. But I yeah. think that with with the success of last year's meeting. It's made it feel unnecessary. So I so I don't think that we will be returning to a physical meeting. Well, we certainly won't be returning to a physical meeting on this chairman, who kind of genuinely believes that this is the right way to go. And the numbers from last year support that. I mean, our engagement levels trebled, yeah. um, which is miraculous. But more than just the attendance, the, the number of questions, so just as this is a kind of, minor start, but I think it's important. In 2019, the number of questions that we had that were registered at Wembley was 28. The number of questions it did last year digitally was 68. Wow. So therefore, I kind of I I I fail to see the argument that says that shareholders have been Shortchanged by digital. I think that yeah. there is a, you do digital badly, and they definitely can. But if you genuinely see it as a proactive engagement method that can reach more people, improve the content that you're giving them. So we've, we moved to kind of BT, so we've got videos with, rather than just kind of the chief executive standing in front of the slide deck going next yeah, slide, yeah. please, you know. So we think that that's a more engaging way yeah. of a video or dynamic video-led presentations rather than PowerPoint makes it a more compelling watch. And then I think that the the other thing about it is the kind of the on-demand replay. So it's very important that only shareholders can attend the the live element of the meeting. Mm. So that's really important. Uh, this isn't for the press. This isn't for the COSEC community. 
agency, this is the shareholders. However, post-meeting, we won an on-demand replay. Last year, it was viewed in the first three days alone 4,200 times, and not all of them can be like more refreshing. No. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but the, um, but again, as a kind of comparison stat, um, in 2019, again, over the first three days post-meeting, we were at 496. Right, yeah, yeah. So massive, um, massive increase, yeah. Which, which, is, which is massive. And kind of at the time of uh, speaking now, last year's broadcast has been watched over 10,000 times. Um, so, yeah. And I think that that's because it's got, because it's got longevity and it's got a kind of, it's got a life beyond the meeting. Yeah. And I just don't think that a, I just don't think that a, a closed loop meeting that's physical has that kind of reach. No. Um, yeah, yeah, I, so, I, so I, I agree that, completely. Yeah. So I, so I think that the, the other thing that we've been kind of eager to make sure that the content viewed by shareholders, the, the top of this segment, we discussed the idea that We've now got about 50,000 private shareholders registered for e-coms. All of them receive emails when the, when the notice is published. They receive an email telling them a week out that if they haven't voted to continue to vote, or to log on to vote, uh, they have an email telling them to watch the meeting. And then they get a final one, which is a, a link which contains the results of the meeting, and then the ability to watch the replay. That might be kind of slightly too many kind of emails into your inbox. And I think that it's it's hard to show that has driven engagement because yes. usability, making it kind of accessible and easy for people to, to view is an integral part in driving up the digital strategy. It's a bit like any other kind of gateway drug, you know, so once you can once you've done it once. Uh, it's easier to do it again. Um, so we've so we yeah. noticed that our open rates on these emails when we broadcast them, we've consistently built it up. So we we now have a sixty percent open rate, which is excellent, and it shows the difference between kind of because it's not a marketing email. That's the bit that's really important. This this is information broadcasting. This is kind yeah. of telling people information that's linked to their money. And, you know, when I get an email from my bank, I open it. And you, you touched there on um, my, my next point, which was going to be about the, the proxy voting uh, and how and how to encourage shareholders, especially the retail shareholders, the, the, the certificated shareholders, uh, encouraging them to vote. Now, our analysis over the last few years as a registrar, and we've, we've analysed every single general meeting that we have managed for our clients over the last three to five years, um, has shown a pre-COVID a steady decline in shareholders actually completing a proxy or going online and and registering a vote. Uh, last year saw that take a turn and go upwards, but not by people completing the physical proxy. More shareholders coming online and and registering a vote online. More and more companies are removing the physical proxy card completely from from that engagement process with the shareholder. And what we found because of that is not votes going down, but often the, the share vote goes up 
the proxy vote goes up. And it's using that nudge theory, isn't it, where you, you remove one choice or the single choice um, from a shareholder to, to engage and provide them with other choices, whether it's via an app or via the website or Crest or, or, or other voting mechanisms. And we're seeing that type of responsiveness from shareholders. I just want, from, from a Marks and Spencer point of view, I'd be fascinated to hear what the shareholder experience has been, what, what, the, what the shareholder feedback has been to, to this rather, if you don't mind my saying, pushy attitude to, to, to turn the shareholders to the digital, which I fully advocate, by the way, um, but not all shareholders do. I just wonder if you had any, any thoughts about that. So I do. I think, kind of, like all change, kind of you encounter some resistance, but that resistance kind of you know melts away somewhat against the facts. So if you kind of if you show people that it works and it is more democratic, and kind of participation levels have gone up, it's really difficult to advocate for your position just because you like it. Yeah. Um, so I think kind of the, so the, there's been some of that. So I'm not saying that we haven't received some pushback, but making sure that you do it in a way that's considered is important. Mm. The, the second point is that kind of we still make paper available upon request. So if you call a registrar or email the registrar, you'll be posted out a, a proxy card. Sure. Uh, you won't get it in your mailing. Uh, so kind of. We, we've not removed that method. What we've done is kind of made it part of a plethora of options. That's kind of the, it's harder to actually, you know, it's harder to call up, get somebody to send you a piece of post, wait for that post to arrive, complete said post, return it, than it is to, to go online and vote simply. And that yeah. voting simply, Thing is really important. So one of the things that we've made sure that we do is that every piece of comms that we send out has unique codes. So it has kind of your Leamy login details, which is personalized yep. by shareholders, and then personalized logins for kind of every method of voting and question submitting participation. So we've got three, we've got three routes in, and each yep. one of them is personalized. So every email or every piece of paper you get from us has those unique codes. Yeah. So I think when people realize once they've got that, even if they are certificated shareholders that don't want to register for e-coms, but it hits their map with their notice of availability and on their notice of availability of these unique codes, it's, it's just easier <laughs> to do it than it is to try and request paper. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, some of the analysis that we have done, I mean, it echoes that completely. And it's, and it's using that, um, that there's, if you receive an item of posting on a Monday morning, you might leave that to the weekend to deal with. If you receive an email, you'll probably deal with it that day or, or, or perhaps the next. Text messages you'll put, or social media, you'll probably deal with those straight away. So I see the future actually growing into perhaps the use of more media channels, whether it's, you know, at the moment it's emails, um, 
there are some text messaging uh, solutions available for shareholder engagement. We could see that growth through apps and push messaging and, uh, and social media. Um, and I think the, 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 the future is exciting in, in that regard. And I'll come back to that in a moment, if I may, Rob. What I wanted just to, um, to, for the listeners to, to understand as well is as part of the Link Groups Ahead programme, which is this programme of, of governance uh, professionals um, receiving up-to-date information. Uh, there has been a, a survey in the last uh, 12, or well, over about the last 12 months, uh, in which we've had a, a hundred responses from various governance professionals. Uh, and, and it's all specifically been about the working from home or the remote access, uh, how you've dealt with board meetings, how uh, you've dealt with the AGM, all of that we've touched on today. Uh, and and everything that you have described is is ringing true for the majority. Not everybody, but for the majority, and that's 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 great to see. Naturally, with the passing of the corporate uh, insolvency and governance uh, act, so that's fallen away as at the thirtieth of March. Companies are uh, are more struggling now because they haven't changed their articles. They can't hold hybrids, perhaps, uh, with with what the future is going to hold over the next few weeks, at least to the 21st of June. Um, but, you're, but Marks and Spencers are well, are, well, are well sat for that. I know as well, Rob, you've changed the way you've paid, you pay your dividends to shareholders um, or the choices have been expanded. I wonder if you could give us a little insight into the decision-making process there and what the shareholders are offered in terms of just not receiving a cheque. So, yes, the, kind of, the removal of cheques has been a kind of, a, a long-running thing, so I think we're year four into that now, but we've steadily increased the enforceability of that now. So kind of, you cannot receive any monies via cheque from m and So any, any dividend, any corporate monies yeah. on the back of the, this digital rights issue, we made sure that we changed everything. So you have to have a bank mandate in place in order to receive cash from M&S. Yeah. Now, that encountered some hostility, but it's amazing how quickly that's fallen away, actually. Yeah. You wouldn't have been the only company that had some hostility. I, I know of lots of others that, that have removed checks and, and have had exactly the same pushback from, let's, it's fair to say, a minority of, of shareholders. But So I interrupted you, Rob. I, I, I apologise. Could we carry on? No, no, so I think kind of the kind of the that is so that is true. There's kind of there's been a there's been a market swing away from it, but I think it's it's really important to kind of contextualize the why. Mm. So kind of outside of it's kind of it's much it's much cheaper, it reduces kind of the chances of fraud. Fraud, yeah. It also massively reduces the gone away definition. So at M and F it's really important to us. We don't have a huge gone away shareholder base. And when I joined MS, out of the 145 to 48,000 private shareholders, around 10% of them were in a very stages of being classified as gone away. With a bank mandate in place, it's much harder to be gone away. Therefore, it's much harder to lose contact with those shareholders and those shareholders in the long term are much less likely to forfeit their holdings. So yeah. outside of the kind of practical admin cost efficiency, 
you know, people not stealing checks from the post type thing. There is yeah, just yeah. a there is just a sensible kind of if you held your investment in a way that's slightly different, you are more secure for holding that in the long term. And MS wants to have a long term active shareholder base. And the removal of checks is one element of that. And I think like once we kind of started explaining that to people, and again, we were quite adamant that we were we were right and we had to articulate that quite repeatedly. But if you but if you tell people why you're doing things and show them the benefits of it, in time you win the argument. And I don't think that my team have received a, a letter complaining about the lack of a check in at least ten months. Fantastic. And then obviously kind of the stand and then so kind of your 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 question was kind of what else do we have? Um mm. and the answer is that we have the sta- we have the standard things that you would accept expect us to have. So we have kind of a drip and and those kind of things. But for but for us, kind of drips are kind of drips again are a are a useful tool and we want our shareholders to be kind of active participants. And that's a that's a positive thing. But I but I much prefer to have shareholders that are informed enough to make relatively quick judgments about kind of should we buy, should we sell, should we hold, and can I receive my money? Those yeah. things to me are kind of are in, are integral. And then once you've sorted those things, then it becomes a question of being able to articulate the the strategy to those shareholders in a way that's compelling. And I think that kind of yeah. you you do that more cheaply by having a digital dialogue with them. And just for, yeah. just to evidence that kind of that point, I suppose that it costs a, around a hundred thousand pounds every time we need to post something to shareholders. So a hundred grand every time we send out a, a, a piece of communication to all of our retail shareholder base. It costs less than five hundred pounds to send it <laughs> via email. Uh, yeah. Therefore, the frequency that, which I can communicate is just exponential. And so that, that's, I was just going to say, is that incorporated into the messaging that you provide the shareholders in the encouragement to to register for for e-coms, for example? That whole cost saving and environmental impact message. I assume that that's you know that's high on the agenda when 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 encouraging shareholders to participate in, in the new way. So it, it is so it's it's kind of it's a it's a it's a triumvirate of messaging. So kind of in reverse order there is there's cost efficiency. And while kind of shareholders should care about cost efficiency, they care less than I do about that. So it's so, yeah. so that gets the bronze medal. The silver medal goes to kind of sustainability. So MS has a sustainability program called Plan A, uh, uh-huh. subtitled "There's No Plan B," uh, and that's our um, very good. That's our, that's our sustainability kind of program. And what we're trying to kind of say to that is kind of it's costing money and it's damaging the environment. Let's do it differently. But the but the gold medal goes, and this is the thing that I think is the most important is that I should be able to make a better investment choice if I earn more frequently from the company that I invest in. 
So if I if I am a fund manager at BlackRock, I get to call up the IR team. I get to speak to my boss, the GC general counsel. I get to speak to the chairman, CFO, CEO, because I've got hundreds of millions of pounds worth of capital under management. So therefore, I get FaceTime and I'm able to push back and understand those results and kind of all of those things. And they have at least four times a year where they speak to senior people in the business. We obviously can't get that same level of FaceTime to 148,000 people. And what we can do is aggregate those messages so I can t- I can send you information on our results, on our performance, on our Q3 trading, on our half year, on our full year announcements. I can send you a message on strategy. I can tell you about an acquisition we've made. I can do all of those things. I can provide you, and they come into your inbox. And with each piece of information, you should be better informed than the person that only receives one or two pieces of post a year. Therefore, if you buy or sell, you should do so with more information. And we've all been told yeah. that informed shareholders make better investment choices. Yeah, so that to me is the that to me is the gold medal position. Not to discount yeah. the kind of the the the, the environmental and the um, the cost efficiency elements, which are important, and the COSEC teams are very important. But yeah. for the the shareholder, that to me is the most compelling argument ever. So if you if you were registered for ecoms at MNF in the last twelve months, you will have received at least sixteen pieces of email communication, and that covered COVID, furloughs, commercial performance, how to vote at the, the AGM, <laughs> kind of changes yeah. to the board, changes in strategy wider views on the, the the dividends and liquidity strengthening, they have come into your inbox in a way that they've not come onto your mat because we can't afford to send that amount of commas at £100,000 a go no. to no. shareholders. And that, to me, is the most compelling case for digital. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it drives it drives the traffic back to your website too, and and um, being in the industry that that you are, of course, many of these shareholders, if not all, are, are probably loyal customers. Um, so that level of engagement can only represent the very best of what you can do with your with your customers and your shareholders alike. So yeah, that's that's you know, fantastic to fantastic to hear. I mean, as we move on in the conversation, I, I, I realise we've we've actually been talking for much longer than I had uh, thought we were. Um, ESG. I mean, you've you sort of touched on that, talking about BlackRock and and the the FaceTime that they get, um, and and other investors like them. ESG being such an important message now to to so many interested stakeholders. Uh, I just wonder what your view is of the future around the wider stakeholder piece, actually, not just about the shareholders, um, but the wider investors, the, the wider stakeholder piece, and, and actually how the future of digitization might improve that further engagement across the whole spectrum of, of stakeholders, uh, especially around 
perhaps pre-AGM meetings is something else that the industry are talking about. Have you had any thoughts about any of that, Rob, or, 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 or any ideas about what, what might be best for the future? Well, there's a lot to unpack there, but um, I'll, I'll start with the fact that uh, so on the 14th of December uh, 2020, M&S announced that we were creating an ESG committee, which is a formal subcommittee of the board, uh, and it's uh, it's got a kind of comparable status with the audit, the REM, the NOM. Um, so I think they're kind of that is that shows a kind of a direction of travel that it's really important to M&S uh, and it's important to M&S because it's important to our stakeholders and they span suppliers, customers, the communities, government, as well as investor capital. So kind of yeah. the, the music in that area is kind of, is ramping up no end and we've kind of created a board committee to make sure that we've got the most senior levels of the business work we're focused on those conversations. So I think kind of that's kind of an important kind of piece of context. I think the for the last couple of years with the introduction or kind of the re-emphasis rather than the uh, introduction of Section 172 statements within annual reports. Yeah. M&S was noted last year for having a, a particularly good disclosure, which we're proud about. And hopefully this year's disclosure, again, is strong. And again, we think that that articulation is important. And then kind of how that links to digital, and I think is the last year was the first time that we made a comprehensive list of our suppliers and other kind of key stakeholders that we messaged out to them our annual report. And while it's a public document, but it was kind of, this is, our, this is what we think our year has been uh, this includes statements that we believe impact each stakeholder group. Please read and please feed back. And that kind of, you know, it's in some people's inboxes and they never read it, or some people found it a bit strange that, you know, yogurt suppliers were having to read our annual report. But we thought it was actually important to, to share our, kind of, our view of the world. And especially in yeah. the COVID year, that was really important. Um, so I think kind of that's a kind of wider digital engagement piece that comes out of ESG. Um, but I think the the final one about the register is kind of institutional capital and especially the proxy voting agencies. This is an area that they really care about, um, and they they want more and more information. So MNS this year is going to kind of attempt to uh, early adopt TCSD, which is kind of the, the new financial um, yeah. and climate-related disclosures. There's a new listing rule that has come into effect. Now, for MS, we've given our year-end. We're only obligated to do so next year. Um, but we thought we would try and have a go at it this year, in part to show kind of a direction of travel, but importantly, so we could do a gap analysis, so kind of we yeah. could actually assess where we are against where we need to be. But I think that that's, I think that's, that's important. That kind of, there's the mood music around this. Our customers care about it. You know, since David Attenborough made the, uh, the show about the role of plastic in the oceans, 
it's become kind of an important part of a retailer's narrative. ESG funds and ESG capital or focus capital has become a big issue that LNS needs to be in those conversations. And, you know, we can't all relate. It was easy for us to just go, oh, it's all about companies that extract hydrocarbons. But it's not now. There is an expectation that every listed business has a has a position on these issues. What's happening? Yeah, I was just going to use that same analogy about extractive industries and uh, versus retail. Uh, but but the landscape has changed. There's uh, environmental and social impacts uh, in in all of our walks of life. So it's not just about the extractives anymore. So you made the point better than I. But <laughs> um, I think. Uh, well, that that's been uh, a fascinating uh, walk through. Just what has been just the last year, actually, uh, and we've really only scratched the surface of um, of of the great work that I know that Marks and Spencer uh, have done and will continue to do in the future. I think the last few years have, have shown tremendous change, for, not just at Marks and Spencer, but for the industry generally, for listed companies. Uh, and I just hope that, that that will only continue into the future. Uh, just a, a few final words, if I if I may ask of you, Rob. Um, and what do you see the future bringing in terms of the future maintenance of that shareholder register and the engagement of shareholders generally? You've got a hundred thousand shareholders still to convince to move over to e-coms. I'd, I'd love to understand perhaps your strategy around that. A lot to pick out there too. Sorry. No, it's, it's okay. Uh, so I think kind of. To answer the last part of that question last, but again, I'll kind of leave some stats. So when I joined m and in 2018, it was 11.2% of the register that held in their own name. In this year's annual report, that's down to 8.2%. So shares that are held via the traditional methods are, losing, are being eroded at about 1% a year. Now, that is an unsustainable platform. And now some of that may be a kind of a natural erosion of people moving out of equity. I don't personally think that it is. My my assessment of that is that the 3% of people that we've lost in the last three years haven't given up being shareholders. And they might not have even given up shareholders, being shareholders in m and I think they've moved to a platform. So I think that they hold through Hargreaves Lansdowne or Barclays Wealth or any other host of kind of these these new trading platforms. And the problem with that is that kind of that removes some registrar admin burden from the business to the individual. But it also means that those people don't vote. They can't get communicated with. They can't receive all of the information about you know, what's happening in the business. They have to go and find that information themselves. So I actually think that kind of the long-term pivot away from holding your own name to the platforms, while the platforms don't have any obligation to kind of think of stewardship code requirements, means that there's a gap there. So I think that kind of corporates and registrars really need to understand this burning platform and being able to come up with a compelling case to say, don't go and hold in a nominee, holding your own name, because these are the benefits. And that isn't to do just with cost. And it certainly isn't to do with share certificates. 
because the only way that I can outperform the ease by which I can hold in Hargreaves is by offering something additive. And I think the thing that's additive is private shareholder e-comms communications because I should be able to be, if I, hold, if I sign up for m and e-comms and I hold in my own name, I should be better informed than somebody that holds the same amount of shares through a nominee platform. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. That is that that is the strategy for the next yeah. well, twelve months, twenty four months, <laughs> ten years. But it is it, it, it is ultimately to make that pitch, which is if you want to be an informed shareholder, holding in your own name is the best route to that. And I don't believe that it's to do with share certificates and improving margins in dealing fees, all of which are important. But I actually think yeah. the core tenet of that is, you know, what do I get from holding in my own name that I don't get if I hold in a platform? And that, to me, is the big strategic thing. Otherwise, in three years' time, if we have this conversation and the direction of travel continues, M&S will have 5.2% of its register holding in its own name yeah, in comparison yeah. to 11.2 in 2018. And that is just an unsustainable model for, for yeah. both registrar and corporate. Agreed. The, the, there is a current review of intermediation that's, that's uh, being undertaken. And of course, we have the question of dematerialisation uh, and what that might mean in the future. I'm afraid we haven't got seven hours to go through that, Rob. So um, that's a question that's been burning a hole uh, in, in the registrar's desk for, well, decades now. Yeah, and I think that that's the only, and I think my only, my only view of that is dematerialisation is the golden bullet. You know, if a 1% erosion rate a year, and that's coming in 2026, 20, I think. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, the 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 date for dematerialisation was actually uh, is is now outside of the CSDRs. We it's not it's for the UK. Um, we won't be dematerialised in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty five. Uh, Ireland is different, um, but not in the UK. So that's another debate that uh, is currently ongoing in industry, uh, along with Bayes and the Registrars Group have made certain representations to government to, to see if we can put dematerialisation back on the agenda. Perhaps not for 2025, but shortly afterwards, so maybe 26, 27. But we're still a way off. We're a way off of that. But I agree with you. That's, that, that's, the, uh, that's got to be the aim. And that, that, I would hope, would encourage shareholders back into the, the registered form um, with all the benefits that that brings uh, in a in a digital world too, on and on a digital platform, and that, and that has to be that has to be the way forward. Um, and I th I think Rob, we've uh, we've covered an awful lot of ground um, in in this time. Um, Rob, I have to thank you very very much for taking part in this podcast. It's been hugely enjoyable, uh, hugely fascinating, listening uh, to your perspective and uh, and the great work that Marks and Spencer Group uh, have done in in actually bringing about uh, us or bringing us a bit closer to the full digitised um, uh, system, which I uh, which I think can only be the way forward. So uh, thank you again, Rob, for for taking the time to to talk to us today, um, and we hope to talk to you again very shortly. 
Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. If you're interested in finding out more from the world of governance, you might want to consider signing up for our AHEAD programme. AHEAD is a community for governance professionals to discover new trends and ideas, discuss industry issues and connect with like-minded people. It's also open to all, so if you want to sign up, you can access the link in the description. Thanks again for tuning in. Take care.